Hi there! Are you someone who lives out of a country you were born in? Or do you aspire to move abroad? Are you simply interested in listening to heart-to-heart stories from people of different cultural backgrounds? If you are, you are at the right place. Welcome to my podcast, Meet the World With, where every week I talk to a person from a different country who has had an experience in living, working, and studying abroad. In this podcast, you'll be able to learn about different programs, job opportunities, tips and tricks, as well hear our real-life experiences. Welcome to the Meet the World With, and I'm your host, Isidora. In this episode of Meet the World With, I will have a pleasure to speak to Dusan Popo, who is currently living in Abu Dhabi. Dusan was born and raised in Serbia, however, his trip around the world starts in Singapore. Join us in this episode and learn about his experiences, values, and some important lessons. We will talk about the value of volunteering and how to get involved. Please help me welcome to the show, Dusan. So I originally was born in Belgrade, Serbia. I lived there for the first 17 years of my life until I moved to Singapore to study for UWC. And I have to say my 17 years of Belgrade, they weren't really like glamorous. I wouldn't say that they were, uh, they differed much from a childhood of any other ordinary kid from Serbia. But I have to say that I'm really thankful for everything that I've experienced during my childhood and to have been born into a very caring and loving family because that very much meant a lot in all in all the difficult times that in, in my entire life and their support is something that that very very much made me going abroad at the age of 17 um a lot easier it, it helped it quite a lot it facilitated it knowing that I had my parents, my family, my cousins, my grandparents, everyone behind me, supporting me. And at the age of 16, um, it was, it was, it was a summer break. It was, I was just at home. I was scrolling through Facebook and I came upon this targeted ad for United World Colleges. It said scholarships for high school students abroad. And for as, as, as somebody who always saw himself going abroad at one specific time of their life, especially believe, I believe that it's best to go abroad when you're young, when you're, when you're in your teenage ages, it sounded interesting. So I just clicked on it, informed myself on it. And I was like, this sounds interesting. I think I could do this. And I just applied and never looked back. And it was a shock when, after the entire selection process went through, I got this call in February while I was in class saying that I got the scholarship and that in a few months time, I would be moving 10,000 kilometers away from home to Singapore. And that turned my life upside down. Basically, I was imagining I would go somewhere near, you know, I wouldn't go that far away. But when I decided I was going to go for it, uh, you could always, you could see the hesitancy. You can see that everyone wasn't really, uh, was really excited at one point, but it was really anxious as well. I never had that anxiety. I was just like, yeah, bring it on. And I lived there for two years. I enjoyed my UWC experience very much wholeheartedly. And I kind of wanted that to continue that very multi-ethnic, um, I want, I thrived in that multi-ethnic environment that I encountered in UWC because I think that's one of the biggest 
um, trademarks of the movement and trademarks of the entire of every UWC school and meeting people from 95 plus different countries sharing our cultural experiences with them that was something that was of great importance for me because ever since i was a kid i just loved learning about foreign cultures and it's something that deeply deeply impressed me and i wanted that to continue and i heard about this university in abu dhabi american university that was sort of a mini uwc then and that thrived on the same values as uwc and i applied for nyu abu dhabi also just thinking that I want this to continue. I want these interactions, these meeting people from all corners of the globe. I want that to continue. I just want to build on what I had in UWC and I applied. They determined I was an appropriate fit. And ever since then, for two years now, I've been based in Abu Dhabi, uh, thriving in my college days as a double major from economics and political science. Wow. <laughs> awesome. That is a such a lovely um, um, kind of a brief overview of, of your life. And I think you've hit a couple of very important things that I would really like to draw back on. And um, you've said that even when you were at home that you really valued and you cherished a lot your values that you've learned from your family. And somewhat I, I have a feeling that you've tried to seek some certain values in the places where you have moved. And even though those places were in the opposite sides of the world, what are some similar values you have brought with yourself there? And as well, what are some new values or um, new things you have learned and you, you've started appreciating more from your experience um, in Asia and now in Abu Dhabi? Yeah. Um, well, now, that, now that's, that's a really difficult question to answer. <laughs> However, I think that uh, one of one of the most important things that I drew from my household was to be, at least that's what I thought initially. I, I thought that I was very open-minded, that I was very tolerant, that I was very liberal. However, when I went to Singapore, I discovered maybe not to be as open-minded as I thought. I thought I I struggled initially because I was I came from I came from very uh, you know not really I didn't, I didn't come from a really diverse society. Serbia is a very it isn't at least like I didn't have a lot of inter interactions with uh, people of different cultures until I went to UWC, and um, I thought that I would swim more easily in such an, in, in this new environment. However, it turned out to be very different. So I think that once I really got, got to interact with these, with the people from many different countries, and once I really started learning, learning about them, about their life stories and started breaking down these barriers that I think I personally established in my head, um, that's when I really became more open-minded and more receptive to the experiences of, of other people. However, um, I would say that the, the things that I mostly carry from back home is, is I think the most important thing I carry from back home is this spirit of never giving up. And just like, I, I'm just somebody, when I start something, I'm going to be stubborn to the end in, in completing it. That's just it. Like when I set a goal, I'm going to fulfill it one way or another. 
And I think that this specific uh, trait really aided me because when I went to Singapore and when uh, I thought school was going to be easy, academics weren't going to be very, very much different or difficult, more difficult from what I encountered at home. However, when I started uh, studying in English, when, um, when I realized that the academic rigor in the schools in the Far East is much higher than the one that I previously encountered in Europe, um, I, I found myself doubting whether this was actually an experience for me, whether I could actually persevere in this. And honestly, there were some points to which uh, me being the the very open person, I, I I took on a lot of things like in terms of extracurriculars, academics. I wanted to challenge myself, and there was just this one point during my first year when I remember I would sit down in the evening to start my work, and I couldn't write more than one sentence. That's it, and that's the point when I realized I kind of burned out. And that this was a massive massive learning experience for me in my life because at that point I realized that I should devote myself more to things that that of, of intrinsic value to me of very very big value instead of involving myself in all of these different things and um and, and thinking about everything as a challenge so I kind of reevaluated my ethics and my my generally my opinions on on these things and began working more tactically. And that was a massive learning experience. And from that point on, I managed to, to find, to, I think, find myself into like, just be much better in, in doing work, being more effective in doing work and generally pursuing those goals that care to me. Um, and it also made me burn out less, not just like, um, Invol- overly involve myself in things that are not a big value to me and also that are not, um, that won't really aid me in achieving what I want to achieve in life. You speak with so much wisdom and so much depth that I think our listeners are easy to be fooled that you are in your late 20s or early 30s or even possibly older. Um, do you just care for the sake of it? Just tell me how old are you? <laughs> oh, okay, okay. I mean, I'm 21. I just yeah, recently... And, and I, I think this is so important when one 21-year-old actually is... Um, self-aware and aware of society around them to to voice out and to say hey i thought that i was open-minded but guess what i figured out i wasn't and i think it's a very easy trap that we all fall into thinking that we are also mighty and willing to accept anything that comes our way until we're actually faced and then often we fall into traps of um, biases prejudices and and judging and the other thing that you've learned so early in your life and i i think that a lot of us are still failing to learn that is knowing when to stop and knowing how to uh, relocate your time and um, your focus and get back on track because you know yourself the further you are allowing yourself to be burned out um, it kind of uh, it hits you harder Uh, 
the consequences are that are even harder. However, um, there is one thing that I know personally about you, and I think it will be interesting for our listeners to hear. You have a lot of volunteer experience, and a lot of those things were very interesting. Do you care to share with us some of your experiences? Yeah, of course. Of course. So, um, I'm going to start with two. I think two, these two experiences are the most relevant ones, and I think we should focus on them. Um, one experience is a project that I spent one year working on with my peers from um, UWC, and we participated in, in, in so-called organization called Initiative for Peace. Uh, the purpose of Initiative for Peace was to gather around 40 or 50 or so young leaders from, conflict, from post-conflict societies and teach them about effective peace-building techniques in those post-conflict societies, uh, not just about how to, it, these, this initiative wasn't just about to teach about, oh, we reached the peace treaty, uh, and we didn't want to teach them about these, you know, very overly theoretical arguments on how to make peace. We wanted to, like, ask them what after we reach that peace treaty, how are we going to live on, how are we going to heal the wounds within society, and how are we going to build bridge bridge the gap that exists between two communities multiple communities within that society um multiple layers of society we just wanted to focus on that through through i think a grassroots um we, we want to give them the tools equipment with tools to build their own grassroots movements and organizations through which they can connect young people and make make more social bonds in society, make more social capital within society. And I think this, I would say, um, this term social capital is very important because in political science, myself being somebody who who's an inspiring political scientist, um, you find that societies with so with greater amounts of social capital are the ones that. Uh, are the happiest, are the ones that function the best and are the most effective at providing public goods toward, towards their citizens. And we spent one year organizing this conference in Dili, in Timor-Leste. And going there, and uh, just going there for that week of the conference, which was held in a convent, and uh, this was the most interesting thing, our contacts with the convent. They were very receptive at holding such a conference in their, uh, in, in, in their midst and with feeding around 70 kids from uh, Singapore, Timor-Leste, um, and just hosting us wonderfully in their, in their, uh, in their rooms. It was, it was, a completely gratifying experience interacting with these youth leaders from Timor Leste. These are these are people who really, really in their in their eyes, I saw a spark uh, for which they they really wanted to help their society, and you could see that uh, they really wanted to make a change. And just interacting with these people who have really come here with uh, a spark for knowledge, a spark for um, just being the positive catalysts within their society. Uh, it was, it was something that filled my heart. Interestingly enough, during that week, I didn't have any cell signal whatsoever because I wasn't aware that Timor Leste functions on a very, on a different cell, cellular, like 
um, I think banned than the one encountered in Singapore. And for a week, no one really heard from me back home. So once I came back to Singapore, people were like, where are you? Is everything all right? We haven't heard from you in a week. And that was, but like just being isolated from the rest of the world and living in that convent for one week, interacting with these people who really took what we, what we uh, taught them. And they really started organizing into youth, into youth groups, um, aimed at educating people about, uh, about, about positive, uh, about this concept of positive peace, about this concept of generally establishing, establishing stronger social bonds within a war-torn society. That was, that was, that was a really gratifying experience. And the second one was more exciting in, in, when you go to UWC, you encountered this concept of project week which essentially uh, is meant to send you uh, on a week-long trip to, South, to a place in Southeast Asia where you're going to aid the society, volunteer on a specific project that is meant to, um, which is aimed at pretty much anything that, that, does, that does some good for either the environment or generally helps like society. And whatnot, and I've got this opportunity to volunteer in an elephant reserve in northern Thailand, and just going through—I wouldn't call it even a jungle—but going through those mountains there, and just spending uh, a week again outside the touch of modern technology, outside the touch of any communication devices for that week—it uh, was amazing. Also, I got to interact with the Karen people, who are. Uh, one of the, one of the most, I think, interesting communities that exist in Southeast Asia. Karen people are inhabit, um, Northeastern Myanmar and, uh, Northwestern Thailand. And they, uh, speak one of the most interesting languages ever. I personally found it really hard to fathom, but just like listening to their conversations, uh, indulging in their customs as well, because we all lived in a Karen host family while we were there uh in old wooden houses it was really like you were flushed back into time and for somebody who comes from europe who was used to modern technologies and everything just experiencing that sort of lifestyle it was it was amazing and honestly i enjoyed it i really enjoyed this um these this this type of lifestyle uh it was it was just much much more relaxing on a day-to-day basis and I think that I realized that over some time, I really do need these periods where I am out of touch of any, of any, I would say, modern world device. And these really, really, really help, help me regenerate myself and also help me learn more about myself. They allow a lot of time for self-reflection. Now, I hear a lot of things that are kind of ringing in my in my ears, and it's so wonderful that you are so openly speaking about the idea of uh, actually going and volunteering. We all are aware of the volunteerism happening all around us, and um, you actually organizing a project and going with your peers. I, I can't help myself but think how important is 
the the peer support and, and empowering other um, youth members all around the world. So I, I think that's such a wonderful initiative. And I want to use this chance to to have an open call for anyone who wants to inspire. And you don't have to be old. You don't have to see the whole world and read all the books. You just need to have that wish and will and an idea that you want to do something. So I think your projects were very wonderful. And I think you and I could spend a whole day speaking about different kinds of volunteering um, projects you have done and organizations you have joined. And maybe we could later on do a specific podcast only on that. But since we've spoke so much about the um, youth involvement in youth organizations, um, how do you suggest anyone if, if they want to get involved in any group and then outside of UWC anywhere, even in Serbia or right now in Abu Dhabi or in Singapore, where should they start and how should they find or do you have any piece of advice um, how to choose wisely an organization that they want to dedicate their time to? Yeah. Um, so when when I live back home, so I can only speak from my own personal experiences, but I know that two platforms are specifically the best ones for um, getting involved. And that was back home, it was my high school. I had this, I was very lucky that my high school was very much involved with the community and really cared about social responsibility. And uh, at Desita Gimnasia back home, I would say that they really promoted, they wholeheartedly promoted any any youth youth organization or any youth experience that was involved and they were really receptive uh from hearing from like like youth organizations generally advertise themselves by reaching out to high schools in serbia and my high school advertised any such opportunity that came by um when it comes the other way is through social networks and the importance of social networks, especially for a generation that has been raised on the internet, um, I think that 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 this grassroots advertising, just uh, just going putting putting yourself out on social networks, it it really helps. As I said, I found out about UWC on Facebook. I found out about most most organizations that I volunteered with back home either through social networks or through my high school. So those were the two main channels of communications. Uh, and I, I really don't think that um, a, a lot of people say that, oh, but these opportunities are so hard to come by. I would disagree. I would very much disagree. It just comes down to you searching for them. Just, just a very simple Google search would give out so, so many opportunities, not only in Serbia, but generally everywhere in the world. It's more difficult in countries where, uh, which maybe do not have such, um, such strong access to the internet or in which, uh, such opportunities are, are less advertised through such means. However, I would say that starting from your close vicinity very much aids the search and also informing yourself for your older peers. So. Um, there was, there was, for instance, you had the European Youth Parliament, which has a very developed network in Serbia. I found about it through talking with friends who were a generation above or so for me and making connections, making networks in such a way, um, 
don't be don't be afraid to go and talk to somebody who's older or somebody who you don't even know or just cold emailing or cold messaging someone someone will reply ultimately no definitely i i agree and uh, it, it's really not that hard you can even go to your local municipal and ask around and maybe even before hopefully there are parents around the world who are getting the idea how important it is to volunteer and they could go for the programs with their kids it doesn't have to be anything heavy or very time consuming but but definitely do start as early as possible and um why why do you personally think that that involvement is it's 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 out there and why is it so important why is it so important i think for um the first thing is social responsibility i mentioned that quite a lot so far in this conversation but you need to be aware of the community that you're you're in and you need to be aware of its problems you need to be aware of how of the ways in which you can improve that that community and life within that community the ways in which you can educate yourself on problems in that community and i think that you everyone should have this dose of social responsibility in them and like or at least just this wish to educate themselves on what's wrong and what can be improved. And that's that's the primary motivator for me to get involved in that was the primary motivator for me to get involved in these in these volunteering opportunities. And not only that, but a lot of people don't realize they think I'm oh I'm volunteering. I'm just giving out my time for free. But you learn so many skills, so many organizational skills, so many things that will aid you later on in terms of personal development. Like I would say that initially, and this might sound a bit selfish from my side, I got involved in a lot of volunteering opportunities just from a very personalistic perspective, but they opened up a wide array of knowledge to me, a wide array of other opportunities through which I think that the primary motivation later on became this 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 will to just contribute positively to your community and it really it really when you see that something that you have done helped someone or something that you have done really changed somebody else's perspective it it really makes you feel good i don't know for me it's one of the best feelings on earth so that's why i continue to participate in a lot of volunteering opportunities and that's why i would advise everyone listening to this podcast to just like try and like reach out and just like check out what you have in your local community and start from that and you'll you'll be opened up to to uh, i think a whole new world yeah but be the change that you want to see for sure um i i know you briefly mentioned but i i want to go back to your education you are currently studying at nyu and abu dhabi political science and economics correct Yes, that's where, correct. where do you get your inspiration for studying um, these two areas of knowledge? And what do you have to advise to your fellow peers who are currently thinking about possibly pursuing a same or similar degree, but are indecisive? Yeah. So when it comes to political science, that was something that I knew I was going to study from the age of 15 or 16. That's the first time um, in, in back in high school, my geography professor invited me to go to a model European Parliament conference in Budapest and represent Serbia there. And that was a massive honor for me. And that week when I participated in this simulation with uh, with my peers from the rest from the rest of the continent, 
I I really felt like, whoa, this is something that I could possibly take take on one day. Not necessarily just like policy making or mainstream politics, but just like learning more about about the issues that plague the world and ways in which you could resolve these issues and the ways in which through scientific means you could devise um, you can devise um, good policy remedies for 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 just making making more public goods available to people uh, when it comes to economics that wasn't really an interest until I came here at university in my first year I decided to take an economics course on development economics and I really loved it because again with development economics us coming as well from a developing country you really learn about tactics through which you could you could make make great change within your societies and through which you can um, you can you can you can develop uh, prospects for young people within that society and i think that economics and political science are very closely intertwined and they definitely go with one another and that understanding one could not be possible without understanding the other and that's why i chose this as my com- combination like my perfect combination however um Otherwise, it, it, it is difficult. It is difficult doing a double major, majoring in two subjects. Um, it's not for everyone. And again, I just, I'm just doing it because it is great interest to me. However, um, I would definitely advise all my, all, everyone who's having doubts about what, what they want to study, always try. You can always try a course on, you have you have so many resources available, not necessarily just in universities, but like uh, you have Coursera, for instance. Try and find a specific topic elective, because I think that in these two subjects that it can sometimes be very generalistic and sometimes very boring. For instance, the, fir- the like the major requirements for political science in my university, they seemed a bit tedious and they seemed a bit repetitive in my first year. But later on, when I took electives on specific topics within political science within economics, I very much realized that this is where the actual practical implementation of your knowledge comes. So you can always go on Coursera, you can go on MIT's open course where you can just start reading on your own. And I think that this gives a good good enough taster for you to decide whether it economics or political science or any other um, sphere of interest fits you best. No, I, I definitely agree. There is a lot of, if you don't have in your home institution this shopping period, as it's called in Korea, or yeah. in, in US, um, it was add and drop period. There's a lot of universities around the world and a lot of organizations. I know even UN offers a lot of free courses. And especially now due to pandemic, I think they are uh, as big as they can possibly ever get. So, yeah, I agree with you. Definitely do utilize and any chance. And, and personally for you, you will survive. You'll be okay. This coming from a survivor of a double major, you'll be fine. <laughs> um, but I agree with you. Once you do get into your um, subject and you start exploring in all different kinds of ways where it can go or it can interrelate, I think it spikes your brain to, to function in these ways that you can never imagine. And you start connecting things and be like, oh, my God, so this happened because of this 
Yeah, yeah. I, I would say specifically, that's why I wanted to go to an American style university because there was this, inter- you don't specifically focus on one subject. You get this intersectionality of many different spheres. And um, I think it, it makes you a more well-rounded person. And spe- more specifically, uh, I think that in future career prospects that it's when it comes to seeking a career and seeking a new job that more employers really start caring about their employees being global citizens, being, uh, being, being generally people who are educated in multiple spheres and who can bring this intersection of knowledge and because it really, really helps, um, this, this globalized perspective really helps in, in today's business world. Yeah, and you gave such a lovely introduction to my next question. So why um, you cho- chose to go to Emirates and not USA? And I, for anyone who is a UWC um, alum, it is a very um, usual track for a lot of people to go to, to the United States, same as I did. But how come you, you ended up where you are right now? Okay, that's... Um... There are two or three such reasons. I applied for eight schools in the United States and I ended up not going to the United States. So most of the schools to which I applied were based in the United States. I applied to one school in the Netherlands and I applied here at NYU Abu Dhabi where I was. Um, I started contemplating at one specific point, how would my life in the United States look like? Uh, I would be, again, after living in Singapore, which is very far away from home, I thought, I just started thinking, oh, wait, it's six hours. It's a six hour time difference. Again, just six hours behind, not six hours ahead as it was in Singapore. There was this, there was this huge distance between myself and home, home and being closer to home was definitely a goal. I'm not going to lie. I just, I felt like I was losing touch with my culture, with my community. And I just wanted it to be as closer as possible, even though I'm still not in, in, in that community. I just wanted to know that I'm close to home and I can go back in, at, at most times, at most times. Now with the pandemic, obviously that's a bit more difficult, even though travel has normalized so, so enough that I could go home more comfortably. Um, when that was one thing that I really heavily considered, another was, um, definitely my financial stability over the four years. I wanted to make myself financially independent. I didn't want my parents having the burden of financially contributing to my education. And due to the generosity of the university here in the United Arab Emirates, I was offered a really good scholarship that would allow me to attain my financial independence and also allowed me to take on opportunities to work as well. I'm currently working as a research assistant for a professor who's writing a book on nuclear politics. So that is something that, that also fulfills me in a way because I'm getting my first, you know, get for, for, for a young person getting their first paid experience in life. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's definitely something you, you, you want to do earlier, sooner than later. And I think that's something that also helps you adapt to the business world and the more open job market. Once you finish your, your formatory years in, in education. So that was also a massive, massive consideration. This, this point of financial stability, uh, 
And generally, to be very honest, um, with hearing, you hear a lot about the U.S. and you hear a lot about the 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 lifestyle of U.S. universities, and I didn't feel attracted to it. I didn't want to be. I heard a lot of stories from my peers and uh, in there being um, in U.S. universities being very homogenous. You have around 90% of the students being American and you have around 10% of international students. And I didn't really want to limit myself to those 10%, but I just felt that due to my UWC education, that might be a consequence. And hearing that here... Best case scenario. Hmm? That's probably the best case scenario that, that you're speaking about, that you're surrounded with a 10% of international. Yeah, yeah. And like, I did, I wasn't really that attracted to it because spending two years, as I said, in this multicultural environment, thriving in this multicultural environment, I wanted that to continue. And this university here in the UAE was really keen on that mission. And you have 130 different nationalities. You cannot say that there's an ethnic group that's prevalent on campus, like the most the biggest ethnic group, like in, in terms of like percentages are the Emiratis and they're still only like 11% of campus. So it's very, very diverse. And I, I'm just, I, I really enjoyed this, this multiculturalism and just the opportunity to meet someone. It's, there's something powerful when you, for instance, have breakfast with a person from Fiji or then have dinner with a person from Latin America. For instance, there is something powerful when in, in the knowledge that you're all here and you bring all these experiences here. When I was uh, when I was slightly younger, and I mean even to this day, I saw myself working for an intergovernmental organization ultimately one day. And um, I I looked at UWC as my stepping stone towards the UN, for instance, or to any other uh, IGO that that is, is really, really based on, 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 on these values. Uh, and I think that there is a future in multiculturalism. There is a future in, um, there is a future in, in, in this. I think that the political framework of the world is undeniably, even though much slowly in recent years, moving towards a more, more internationalist view and I'm I'm really happy because of that because uh, looking at the generation of my parents and how it was difficult for them to find these interactions outside of their society um, and just looking at myself how easy it is today to meet someone from abroad not just through like traveling I, I was just lucky that I was I was able to have such an opportunity but also through social networks through through so many means you can you can interact with people from abroad and uh it's 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 just undeniable that this is the this is going to be the future sooner or later yeah uh, thank you for being so honest because i think a lot of times that there is this question of well if you got such a good education and and you are so open-minded and you you want to see um this this melting pot and a salad bowl why aren't you going to the US and then we, we hit the reality where that might not be the case in majority of um, 
colleges and universities across U.S. And I think it's really important to mention that, yeah, you do definitely see some international students around. However, um, you're most likely not aware of the percentage that they make up of the campus and as well, um, what is the diversity level? And at the same time, I think it's so great that you're speaking and kind of clearing off a stereotype of you living in the Emirate, where probably people have this wrong idea of you being surrounded only by locals and um, you being different where else actually they might feel that from you yeah it's a massive stereotype it's actually the other way around now speaking of it the emirates the population of the emirates locals only comprise around 15 percent of the entire population everyone else is foreign there are so many foreigners here and again it comes down to this stigma of like i'm, I'm just being i'm attracted to like internationalist places this is this is the environment in which i'm most comfortable in yeah, that's so great then i thank you for speaking about it i think that's very important and a very fresh and new perspective in this podcast so i have a trick question for you yeah. um i know you love quizzes and i know you recently participated in one uh, do you want to tell us where and how did that happen and what was your experience of being surrounded sure. with cameras and lights and I- i've seen you so i know you've done great but <laughs> Sure, sure. Um, so when it comes to the, to quizzes, like it's 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 a family obsession. I'm not gonna lie. I think you have a very similar story from 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 what I know, but it's a family obsession. Like um, there, in my family, uh, there is a tradition of watching the Serbian quiz show Slagalica, which is uh, I think I think it's safe to say that's the most watched program in the country. Uh, every night from 7 p.m. That's just where you are. That's just where you are. I don't, I don't go out with my friends before 7 p.m. That 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 doesn't happen. And yeah, yeah. And uh, just watching this amount of quiz shows on t- television, it really. I, I learned a lot from them. I'm not gonna lie. Like I, I obtained a lot of knowledge from through them. Uh, just like on 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 general like cultural questions, like a lot of like. Uh, pop culture, everything, and as well as history, history, and because of that, I've I've always watched this, and but I never got the courage to go to go to one of the quizzes. First, you have to be eighteen, and I've been living outside of the country for most of the time, so I wasn't really aware of the means. How do you end up uh, at these at these quiz shows? And one night during quarantine, so I was quarantining back home in March when I returned due to the pandemic. And one night during quarantine, I was watching The Chase with my mom. And I mean, it was was just like after some time and after I just I just realized after some time, she just asked me, why don't you apply for one of these quiz shows? And I'm like, I, st- I just stopped for a moment and I started thinking, why don't I apply? And like, I waited until the end of the show until the number for like applications popped on the screen. I just sent a message and I got called up. I got tested. It, it took a quarantine to like motivate me to finally go um, to one of these quiz shows. So I got tested. Uh, so I got tested. And after I passed their test, they called me back to film one of the episodes. And the filming actually t- takes place over the summer. And if I knew that, I would have probably went to one of those quiz shows much earlier because I thought that it takes place during the school year. And because of that, I wouldn't be at home and I wouldn't be able to participate in one of those shows. And I wasn't like going into that studio at the radio television of Serbia. 
I was really like in the beginning, I'm not going to lie. I generally don't have stage fright, but I really had stage fright because what if I was in my head, it was going through, what if I say something stupid? I don't want to end up like on YouTube. We have these very popular videos of people saying dumb things in the Serbian quiz show. So I didn't really want it to become an internet meme, you know? However, it all went really well. I was really, really happy with how it went. We ended up winning in the chase. And um, this, this for those who don't know, the, the chase is a British game show originally airing on ITV. And it's been done by license in Serbia for eight years. So this is season eight right now. And um, I was really happy to have to have participated in that experience because it just showed me how 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 simple a step towards uh, towards uh, I don't know good publicity is. It just showed me how a simple how how to do something in life. Some like it just takes one simple step, and it just takes one simple trigger to to like to get a will to do something in life. And for me, that was just like sending that text message uh, during quarantine to apply. And yeah, and I really enjoyed watching you. (laughs) Thank you. And I was really, I was really like, uh, amazed by the public support I got. Like I started, I got people throughout the week since the, the show only aired last week. Um, just send messages of support and saying, Oh, we watched you. You were great. Even people who I don't know, who I've never seen in my life. They just started sending messages. It was a bit overwhelming, not going to lie, because on social networks, I tend to be a very private individual. And, uh, but I really appreciated that. And it also showed me because in back home, you don't see a lot of television programs like quizzes. There are only like two or three quizzes in the entire country. And it showed me that a lot of people do watch these and a lot of people really want to learn more. And a lot of people do look at these quizzes as these trivia, simple trivia questions as a learning experience. And I think that this format is something that should be expanded throughout, throughout the country in comparison to a lot of programs that we have back home that aren't really of, of such a character. Yeah, maybe maybe we could uh, collab with uh, some other people down in the future and work on expansion of those. That would be a fun project. Yeah. That would be a fun community yeah. project. We don't Definitely. have much time left, but I need to ask you, uh, and I know this is going to be very hard, but one hardest and one best moment of your life abroad so far? One hardest, one best moment. Oh my God. And it doesn't have to be the one that is like top, top, but like the first one that just pops in your mind. Okay. Okay. Sure. Sure. Um, So nobody gets offended if they weren't called out for. Yeah. 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 I would say, I would say my best moment, my best moment while I was abroad was when I, when I graduated from, from my high school in Singapore. So that graduation moment being there on stage also because my family was able to come and see me there and just just because when I was on that stage like holding that diploma I was just reflecting on the on the trip I had in the past two years I was just like reflecting and thinking oh my god I've come this far and I'm just gonna continue doing that and I was like that was that was a really big moment in which I felt personal pride 
And um, I would say one other moment was when uh, back back in Timor Leste, back in Timor Leste, when we had this, uh, I would say, social responsibility day in which we went to clean the beach in in Dili, and uh, we all like joined hands with the with the Timorese people, and it was just it was just like. I, that was the moment when I really saw how, how much they care about their community and how, how much young people today in general, when you give them the means to, to participate, uh, actively in their community, that was, that was the one moment when I really saw how, how they seize upon those means and how they really, really, uh, make the world a better place. When it comes to the worst moment, oh my God, that's, there were a lot of them. There were really a lot of bad moments, not gonna lie. Like have to you be see, the worst, maybe the hardest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the hardest one. Like you see you all yeah, everyone always sees this shiny exterior of like successes and everything when when you have people going abroad. However, um the hardest moment definitely um was was the the hardest moment was actually when I came back home. But it was it was it was directly tied to that experience. Uh, in the first year, I came back home pretty late because of the Team Race Conference in July only. And when I saw my parents at the airport, and at that moment, I was like, I gained a lot of weight. I didn't look like myself, honestly. Like that was the moment. Like when I saw them, I just burst into tears. That was like the hardest moment ever. I was just like. That was that was associated with the whole burnout episode that I had, and at that moment on, seeing them, like finally I realized, finally this is over, at least for a while. I can finally get some rest. I can finally like reflect on what I did wrong and how to improve on it. That was like maybe I wouldn't call it the rock bottom. I didn't really have a lot of hard moments. I'm not gonna lie, but that's just because who 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 I am and like. Um, that was maybe the rock bottom. And from that point on, everything else went upwards and I started reevaluating myself. I improved myself in so many ways and also just being at home, seeing my family, eating my most, my favorite food, uh, interacting with friends back home again. It was, it was something that, that helped me gain strength for one more year back, back there. I think both your very positive and very negative experiences are very powerful. And, um, I, I, I believe that they shaped you to become this young, awesome and very inspiring man. And I'm so excited to see what this future brings to you because I, I know it's going to be a lot and I can't wait to see you in so many other quizzes. But, but before I let you go, I have to ask you, what are you reading right now? And what's your current jam? <laughs> what's my current what? Yeah. What are you listening to wow. right now? And I actually get criticized a lot for not asking uh, who's your role model and what do you wanted to be before you grew up. But you know what? No. Because <laughs> I think I think I'm not a, like... Okay, you can ask me. I, I'll I'll answer one of those questions. But well, let's start from the books. So, uh, one of the books that I'm currently reading is Prisoners of Geography: uh, Ten Maps That Tell You Everything You Need to Know About Global Politics. I think that for every any person like this, this has been on my reading list for way too long, and I finally 
took the courage, went to the library, got it, and started reading it. And if you really want to learn about politics and you don't know a lot about politics, definitely go through it. It's one of the, I think it really breaks down politics to very simple levels and it really explains. Uh, Tim Marshall was really eloquent in the way in which he addressed um, addressed the global politics issues through, through that book. So that's that I, I'm so far, I've read like half of the book and I'm really, really impressed. Um, when it comes to my jam, I don't have a specific artist, uh, but currently... Tell me what's your top listen song right now. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, that would be interesting. Let's let's check my phone at this specific point. I, I just need to go into Deezer and possibly... Um, yeah, um, I've been listening to Rudimental quite a lot. I've attended one of their concerts in Serbia at... Belgrade Beer Fest. It was Belgrade Beer Fest, yeah. And uh, I just like their music. It's my study jam, I would say. And lately, there's been a lot of studying. It's midterm season here. So um, I think it's a very, it's very relaxing. It's for every opportunity. It's you, you can sit in a car, just play that, jam it, and drive through your, through your neighborhood, drive through your city. And um, it's, it's just this, it, it combines multiple, like, um, cultural noises, uh, cultural like sounds, I would say. Um, there's a lot of R&B, it combines house, it combines um, funk, reggae. It, it's, it's just this amalgamation of sounds that, that makes me like rudimental and generally their, their music. Well, that um, kind of fits into your general um, love towards, towards mixed things, mixed culture, yeah, yeah. Mixed music. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, I'm not gonna answer my role model question. No, I I'm not say... asking that. That was a joke. No, no, I, I'm yeah. not. I, I think those things are, are way too personal, and um, I actually. But there's there another question that I yeah. wanted to answer. Yeah. You, what was the, after the after the role model? I my mind kind of slipped. So. Uh, no, that was a that was a follow up joke on uh, your role model or what you wanted to be when you grow up and. Oh, I, I oh yeah, I, I, I love. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, I would want to answer that That's for a very long time as a kid. Um, so I thought that I was gonna be there. I had I had two dreams. Like one of them was being the anchor of um, of like the evening news back okay. home. I don't know. I just because like the evening news were always watched back home, and I was like, this guy looks cool. I want to be this guy. That was, uh, but after maybe like I was like seven or eight or something i maybe saw myself as a pilot because this was a job that involved a lot of traveling and like even at that point like uh travel channel was one of my favorite like channels when i was like young or a kid and um i thought that oh i could become a pilot i could travel a lot around the world and i could see all these sites sounds perfect doesn't it and um, for a very long period, I would say like until maybe like half of my eighth grade, I was heavily considering going into like um, pilot school, pilot high school back home. And um, I, the only reason why I didn't decide for that was because I thought that at the age of 14, it's too early to decide your career. And I put it off. And I haven't really regretted it because I still got to travel the world quite a lot and will go to a lot of places. And I hope that once this pandemic ends, 
that this these experiences will continue. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing your experiences and your piece of wisdom. And I, I think um, our listeners are going to enjoy as, as much as I did. And yeah, I hope we organize some other ones. Not going to lie. And I'm really happy that you you called me uh, to participate in, in this podcast. And to everyone listening out there, please do stay tuned because I'm certain that this Isidora will bring so many more cool new people. And I think that this is a project worth following. Definitely. Thank 